The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. And a good Thursday to you. Hello there. How's it going? He's flying in for Chuck today. Glad you could be hanging out with me of course, college football talk always happens 52 weeks a year, five days a week, regardless of whether Chuck can be here or not, because college football, it never stops. And one thing that I think everybody agrees on is when you think about your team, you think about what you want from your team, speed is of the essence. Got to have speed. If you don't have speed, pretty much cooked. Doesn't matter how heady a guy is. If he runs 4-9-40 in the back part of your defense, you're going to get cooked. Even if he knew exactly where he should be, it's not going to matter a bit. Historically, when we talk speed, we're talking about speed like that. Foot speed, that receiver that runs the 4-3-5-40, that running back who hits the corner and he's gone. That's what we talk about when we talk about speed. There's a new kind of speed that's going to be every bit as essential in college football from now on. And we are seeing it play out this week in real time. You're going to need an AD with speed. Doesn't matter, obviously, whether he could win a 40 against the other ADs. But from now on, man, you have to have an AD that can react to a crisis out of nowhere with immediate activity. Immediate. Because people are looking at what's going on at Alabama, and they're saying, Wow. Now, long-term, Alabama's going to be fine. It's Alabama. It will land top talent. It always has. It always will. Bama's going to be fine. But seeing what has happened at that program, that with Nick Saban gone, immediately, high-end talent that had chosen to come to Tuscaloosa, it's not that Kalen DeBoer didn't, do the right things to try and woo these guys. They didn't even want to hear from Caleb DeBoer. They didn't even care. It was Saban's gone. I'm gone. Because they know if you're the kind of talent that could go to a place like Alabama, there's going to be lots of opportunities for you in the NIL marketplace at any school you're interested in going to. If you're that kind of talent, the money will be there for you. And you know it. And if your loyalty isn't to a school... There are some kids that grow up wanting to play for a school, but if you're not a kid who has that kind of personal affection or tie, if the school you're at, as is the case for many of these guys, is not your in-state school that's close to your family, especially if you're a freshman, yeah, you like your teammates okay, but you haven't exactly developed super deep roots or bonds with anybody yet. What's the reason to stay if the reason you chose to go there leaves? If the coach disappears What's the reason to stick around? Now, there's some Alabama people that you can find very easily online right now, and I imagine if uh, they do call-ins over in uh, 
Alabama on any of the radio shows. I'm sure you can hear them saying, oh, this is just so bad. It's so bad. We got to fix this. We got to we got to do something about this. College football has gone straight to the dogs. It's a problem. I'm pretty sure none of those fans are turning around and saying, as Washington players are jumping into the portal left and right, particularly on that offensive line, well, I sure hope none of these kids follow Kalen DeBoer to Tuscaloosa. Somehow I doubt they're saying that. It's always a crisis when you're on the end of the players leaving. It's less so when somehow you're benefiting unexpectedly from guys coming available, as they likely will with some of those Washington kids. But the reality is now it's being demonstrated. A team that was in the national title game in Washington, their coach leaves, players are in the portal. A team that was in the playoff that has been the most consistent program of the last 15 years, Coach is gone, players are in the portal. And in some cases, players gone. It's not like, well, they're just in the portal. Uh, they're going to look around. Next year, you might actually have a better chance. That's the thing for Alabama. This is unfortunate for them because next year, you might have a better chance of holding on to your kids. Part of the reason that kids are in the portal so quickly is because there's still time, maybe, to be able to enroll. But you got to hurry if you want to enroll somewhere for the spring. Different schools have different academic calendars. But just about everybody has started classes by now. But some are farther along than others, and it's harder to get in the later you are, obviously. Next year, where we won't have even played the title game by the time you and I are talking right now, next year it's hard to imagine, even if a coach did step down literally in the locker room after the game, that it would be feasible for kids to get into the portal fast enough to get enrolled somewhere. So maybe that'll avoid a situation exactly like this one. But you still are going to have kids that are going to say, I'm putting my name in the portal. Because remember, remember how it works. When you put your name in the portal, you could stay in the portal theoretically forever. There's no guarantee anybody wants you. All you have to do, though, is get in the portal when it's open. There's not a limit for you to come out of the portal. So every Alabama kid has 30 days to put their name in after Saban leaves. So a kid who hasn't done it yet, as long as he's not obsessed with going somewhere for spring football, he could still put his name in February 1st and just be at Alabama through spring. Alabama would have to decide you're not required to tell a kid who's in the portal to hit the bricks. We saw some schools allow guys that were in the portal to play in their bowl game because they looked at their situation and said, we need this person available if they're willing to play in the game it's better for us if they're available to play in the game than to say you're not allowed to be here. So Alabama could choose to let someone who was actively in the portal go through spring practice with their team and get a feel for what Kalen DeBoer and company are like and then decide to pull their name back out if they wanted to. They could choose to do that. I don't know if they will, and I don't know if any kid will jump in. But if you're Alabama, it's going to be mid-February before you know just whether or not you have kids in that situation. And then obviously it reopens up after spring for a little bit. So more kids could jump in at that point. But there at least you know when the end of that portal hits, okay, that's it. No one else is getting in that's going to be able to play in the fall. But right now if you're Alabama, a kid could jump in and basically spend all spring waiting to see what the auction bears if he's not obsessed with getting there right now. And maybe that would be how guys would play it next year. But for this year, because there was time to still make it in, you've seen a kid already transfer to Texas A&M. You've obviously got a lot of talk about Downs and where he's going to go and whether or not that'll turn out to be Georgia or Ohio State or, or somewhere else. It's got to happen pretty quick for him to go for spring. And so if you are an AD, 
that wasn't planning on making a coaching change. It doesn't matter where you are. From now on, you have to be ready to make your move almost immediately. Maybe during the season next year, you'll see more guys get fired more quickly. The thought process before this had been, because of the transfer portal, you might see coaches hang around a little bit longer. You might see schools not be as quick to make that move in late September, October, like we'd seen in some previous years, because the idea was that if you did that, then the kids would all steamroll right for the portal. But now, having seen the way this has played out with Alabama... Maybe that's not true now either. Maybe now being able to openly do your search and be ready to hire a coach the second his season ends becomes the priority. Whatever the story, you can't have this happen now. You've got to be ready right away. You can't have a six, seven coach interview process, think about it, talk to your board, have a search committee, none of that crap, no more. Now, the second your job's open, whether it's because you fired the guy, whether it's because he got a better opportunity, whether it's because he's 70-plus years old and it's just time, doesn't matter how you got there. Doesn't matter how well kids might have been treated while they were there. The second that job opens up, it's chaos. And so you've got to get that hole in the boat fixed immediately. And it doesn't matter where you are. Look at South Alabama. South Alabama is not exactly a program overflowing with talent. Five stars do not go to South Alabama. Doesn't mean there aren't players at South Alabama that could help somebody, though. An experienced offensive lineman, a receiver with some games under his belt that's taken a few shots across the middle that can catch the ball. There's always talent that could help someone. And so even a place like that where your roster is not going to be immediately hit with a massive wave of NIL opportunities there will be people looking to pick the bones of it and get the best pieces. And so what do you see today? Major Applewhite is the new head coach at South Alabama. Now, is Major Applewhite the very best head coach South Alabama could hire if they had a three-week process? I don't know. But Major Applewhite is there. Major Applewhite was the offensive coordinator, so he already recruited some of these kids, knows these kids, can tell kids on his side of the ball hey, we're going to probably be doing about the same kind of things that we were doing, so you don't have to worry about your role with this new staff. And so if you're a guy that likes what you're doing at South Alabama, especially on offense, eh, maybe you stick around now. Like I say, Major Applewhite might do amazing there. His stint at Houston was too short to judge what he is as a head coach. wasn't super inspiring, but wasn't awful. We'll see. But the South Alabama AD gets it. It doesn't really matter whether he might have been able to find a better head coach long-term than Major Applewhite if he did a week's worth of searches since he wasn't planning on firing his coach and had no reason to think he was going to be doing a search this year. He might have been able to find a better coach. doesn't matter. The time it would have taken to find that better coach, your roster gets decimated. This is the new quality for the AD, and you're going to find out real fast for all these schools who has an AD who gets it. South Alabama's AD understood the assignment. He may not have understood it 10 days ago because I don't know if it was clear before Alabama that this was the assignment. But this is now the assignment. You got to get your head coach and you got to get him in a hurry. So you better have done every bit of vetting you could possibly do every year to know who wants your job, who doesn't. So you don't waste a second of time on somebody who doesn't. Who wants your job? Who do you want for your job? That is. We have Dave Bartu on this show on Tuesdays. 
Dave Bartu's business is about to go up. The kind of stuff he does, the analytics work to try and give people the idea of here are the best people out there for this or that quality, whatever it is you're looking for, that price is going to go up because that's going to have to be in place now. How many times through the years have you seen them say, oh, we're going to have a committee? There are no more committees. The AD is the committee. And every booster involved better understand you might get a text message saying this is what we're doing, but you're not going to get your your hour to weigh in on the subject. Not anymore. And I will be fascinated to see because, again, quick decisions don't make good decisions sometimes. I will be fascinated to see who the first AD is who becomes that guy that people lash out at and say, oh, you made the bad decision. You didn't give it time without being fair and acknowledging in the current setup we've got from now on, you don't have time. It is the Chuck Oliver Show. Heath Klein in for Chuck today. We will talk some Alabama coming up in about 15 minutes. We're going to head down to Tuscaloosa and find out what the story is uh, with the talent outflow and also with some things changing on that staff. Uh, Some interesting news yesterday. The days of the Saban Coach Rehab Program appear to be over under uh, Kalen DeBoer. So we'll talk about that and more coming up in about 15 minutes. Keep it right here. We're talking CFB for two hours on the Chuck Oliver Show. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show chuck oliver show rolling on heath and for chuck today so we've got Dave Bartu on Tuesdays, typically, on this program, and I guess you would describe him as sort of the analytics coaching consultant. At some point, maybe we're going to have to actually bring somebody in to be the legal consultant because there's a lot going on on that front, too, particularly involving FSU. And so let's start with the one that's still kind of open-ended. For what it's worth, you remember they filed uh, the Florida Attorney's General's office Uh, filed a notice saying that they were going to launch an antitrust investigation into the college football playoff. And uh, most people, I think, viewed that as a pretty ridiculous thing. I mean, for better or worse, if you're an FSU fan, you'll never accept the outcome of how things went with the playoff not putting you in when you were undefeated. Understood. Uh, But you can't fix the problem. Things change next year anyway, so it's not even like we're looking to prevent this in future years. If you were the ACC champion next year, you would be not only in, but would have had a bye. So it doesn't feel like the most productive or intelligent use of taxpayer dollars to most people, but politicians, when they get a chance to score points with constituents, will do so and have done so from both parties all around the country. So Uh, The Florida Attorney General is evidently under the belief that maybe this will be beneficial to uh, her down the line. And so for what it's worth, the uh, CFP has now, according to the Tampa Bay Times reporting, sent the documents, at least a certain amount of them, to the Attorney General's office before the deadline that uh, came up. Apparently, uh, they had originally said the deadline was the 11th, but then they didn't get their actual document request in in time after announcing the deadline. So the deadline actually was yesterday, and apparently they did get this information that they're looking for or are still getting gathered together. Uh, they're they're asking for a bunch of different stuff that would include uh, 
you know, this this idea that somebody's going to have sent some email basically saying, hey, remember, ESPN wants to leave FSU out, okay? Okay, good, good luck with the fishing expedition. I don't think you're going to have a lot of success with that. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe Maybe somebody put an email in place that... Uh, or a text message in place that the attorney general can get a hold of, and it'll blow the whole thing up. I wouldn't wait up waiting for that. Speaking of blowing things up, though, there's, of course, the FSU lawsuit against the ACC. And yesterday, the ACC decided it was time to do some more responding to FSU. And specifically, there's some things in their amended complaint that they filed yesterday that I think are interesting for FSU's purposes. Uh, they have specifically said we are looking for damages from FSU. Again, you've got FSU who's saying uh, we financially are being damaged by being in the ACC. If we were in this other conference, we'd be making more money. And instead, uh, this deal was done that we didn't like, even though we approved the deal. We were we were tricked. We were hoodwinked in some way into doing the deal uh, by by them saying we had to to get the ACC network. It's just not fair. And we're mad. Uh Okay, sure, great, whatever. For what it's worth, in the uh, complaint that was amended by the ACC, they say that uh, they would like to recover FSU damages for the breach of its obligation to maintain the confidentiality of the ESPN agreements. Uh, And they say an amount to be determined, but which the conference reasonably believes will be substantial. They also want the court to issue a permanent injunction barring FSU from disclosing confidential information from those agreements. They want a permanent injunction barring FSU from participating in the management of the affairs of the conference while it is in a conflict of interest with the purposes of the conference. And that the conference also, again, would have recovery of FSU damages for its breach of the ACC Constitution and bylaws in an amount that, again, would be proven at trial, but the conference believes would be substantial. So you got the ACC saying, not only do we not owe you anything, you owe us something. And oh, yeah, by the way, since you've decided I'm not subject to your rules anymore, you shouldn't have a vote on anything of our rules anymore. I mean, if you're FSU, I, look, I, I make no pretense to legal knowledge, so I can read stories about it just like you can. I am not an attorney. I'm not going to pretend to have any way to judge who's right or who's wrong here. I'll read legal analysts when they say things about it and see if what they say sounds like it makes sense, but I'll, I'll never try to pretend that I'm the attorney here. But boy, if you're FSU, can you imagine if it turns out that not only do you not succeed in getting out of this grant of rights, but that you somehow wind up costing yourself money when your whole entire complaint was based around the idea uh, we should be getting more money. Uh, we're the real breadwinners in this conference, not people like you know, Wake Forest or Boston College or whoever. We're the real breadwinners and we should be treated like the head of the table if instead you wind up giving those schools more money. Again, the timing of this in reaction to that CFP snub, you better have had your ducks in a row. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Although, again, it just goes back to people who have read the grant of rights and who look at how it has been handled in other places don't feel like FSU has a loophole. I would just go back to the one thing we do know factually. When it comes to a conference and high-profile schools looking to leave because they didn't feel like they were making enough money, Texas and Oklahoma 
knew where they were going, SEC. It was done. It was public. It was announced. They knew where they were going, and they knew when they were going. FSU right now does not know where they are going. They might know where they'd like to go, but they don't know where they're going. Those schools had just a few years left on their grant of rights. FSU at the moment has more than a decade on their grant of rights. And even with a place they knew they were going, and even with the knowledge of how much money they'd be making when they got there, Texas and Oklahoma, with all their attorneys, concluded it was better to wait, better to just go ahead, play out the string in the Big 12, and not have to deal with a litigation over just three years of grant of rights. Now, maybe somehow the ACC didn't do their legal diligence. Maybe this thing's something they got off the web. Maybe. But I'm going to bet that the legal language was probably pretty similar to what the Big 12 had. And two schools with every bit as many resources, if not more than FSU, said, nah, man, I don't see it. We're just going to be patient. We're going to wait this thing out. And only when the conference was ready to negotiate did they finally that last year of it get out of to come in for 2024. And again, that was the Big 12's interest. It would not be in the Big 12's interest for them to start the playoff this year and have their first champion going to the Big 12 playoff be possibly Texas or Oklahoma. That's not in their interest. Somebody will represent the Big 12 in the playoff for sure, and it'll be somebody who's going to be part of the conference. So it made sense for them. And so then they negotiated. It doesn't make any sense for anybody else in the ACC to negotiate with FSU. There's no pressure to do so. Maybe FSU thinks that they become disruptive and annoying enough that they'll eventually give in. But at the moment, there's no reason for them to negotiate. And the schools that knew what the future was didn't negotiate. Like I say, maybe FSU's got this thing clocked. But history says that thing's mighty unlikely to be breakable. And if they cost themselves money, if the ACC wins this part of the suit, wow, should heads roll in Tallahassee. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show rolling on. He's flying in for Chuck today. And, of course, there is a lot going on 
all around the college football world, but nowhere has there been more attention over the last few days than what's going on in Tuscaloosa and a man who's been having to try and ride this wild horse for the last week. Tony Sukalis joins us right now from TideIllustrated.com. That is a rival's property. Tony, how are you, man? Hey, uh, busy, <laughs> overwhelmed, but but doing well. <laughs> over under hours of sleep a night, four right now. Over or under? <sighs> probably, probably about even. <laughs> uh, a little bit, a little bit more sleep now in the last coming days, but you know, at, at first, probably under. <laughs> I would say a lot of people from the outside are, are watching what's happening in Alabama, and they're really thinking, okay, how does this apply to us? Because I think if you're any school and you see, all right, a place that was just in the playoff, a place that got a coach in place within 48 hours, basically, who had just been in the national title game, so a, certainly a, a qualified coach, if not maybe a coach these guys were as familiar with, if they can't hold their players reliably man, what's going to happen to my school the next time they make a change? How surprised, oh. if at all, are you, Tony, on the way this is playing out with the kids in the portal so far and obviously the prospect of more to come? I think it's just surprising just because we're not used to it. I mean, it, you know, Saban was such a stabilizing force at Alabama that, you know, taking that away, it's just it, it's a complete bombshell to everything that, you know, Alabama's been the past few years. But the thing is, it, it shouldn't be too surprising. I think you, you mentioned it. You know, even Alabama with its history, you know, with how quickly uh, its coaching surge went, it, it still um, kind of had the rug pulled from underneath it and it's still scrambling. Uh, and that's going to happen to any school. I think if, you know, Jim Harbaugh leaves uh, Michigan, it's going to happen over there. And then whoever replaces him at Michigan, if, if it comes from a college program, it's going to happen there. It's just. You know, um, it's kind of the era we're in in college football where, uh, you know, this can happen to any team, you know. I mean, if Kirby Smart was to somehow leave, you know, even with all the powerhouse he built in Georgia, this is going to happen. I don't think Kirby Smart's going to leave. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It really is kind of almost a warning shot. It's a, it's a good time for, you know, opposing teams. And if, you know, you're a fan of an opposing team, it's a good time to get your shots in on Alabama because it's been it's been a while, you know. But that being said, this is kind of like a warning to the rest of college football that if this can happen to Alabama, I think it can happen to anyone. I think there's been at least a perception that maybe Alabama, when it came to name, image, and likeness and the funds committed to it, has been a little behind some other schools because they didn't necessarily have to do that. They had Saban, the prestige attached to that, the history of developing players. And so maybe a kid, he's not going to take nothing, but if it's 25 grand, say, difference between one school and the other, but one way you're with Saban and the other place you're at a school that's going to go, you know, an eight and four, and you might not get developed as well, you're going to go with Saban, you're going to go with Alabama. Is there anything to that idea that Bama, because they had Saban, got a little bit of a break on how much they needed to spend on NIL, and so now they're a little flat-footed for this? Do you think there's anything to that notion? I know that there's definitely something to that notion. You know, I talk with a lot of player parents throughout the, the years, and there was, you know, kind of always a, a little bit of a frustration of what several parents would call the, the Saban discount, where it's, you know, you just want to play for this guy. But I think that even even the players that didn't transfer that were staying, um, I think they kind of knew that they could get more money elsewhere. So this is not like some big surprise. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of players knew that, you know, if you stay with Nick Saban, you'll make up the money 
uh, by getting drafted in the NFL and, and make it up that way. And you just get the experience of playing with, you know, the greatest coach of, of all time. So, you know, I think that was a big thing. And now, you know, when you take that away, I think Alabama has got to have to step up its NIL game. And it's not going to be able to match some of the NIL powerhouses. It, no matter what, Alabama, I don't care how many people sign up for Yale, Alabama, it's not going to be able to match uh, Texas A&M, you know, powerhouse or our Texas. But, you know, Alabama has the money. They just don't have it raised right now. And just because, you know, you have wealthy donors don't doesn't mean that the money just flows in, uh, you know, the next day like a bank deposit. I mean, so they got to raise this money. They've got to, you know, kind of wake up some of these donors that could rely on, you know, kids just wanting to go play for Saban. So I do think it will be a process. I don't think Alabama's just cash poor that they're going to be, you know, at a total disadvantage in the NIL game. But I think right now they certainly are. And, they, you know, they were kind of caught sleeping. And, and so they weren't really – ready for this from an NIL standpoint. So I think that it's definitely something that is playing a factor in, in some of these departures. So some of them, it seems pretty clear cut what's going on. Like a kid like Caden Proctor, for example, immediately people said he's going to go to Iowa. You know, that was something that almost happened before. He's just going to go back to Iowa. Is there, there's probably no pulling that out of the fire, right? It certainly seems like that's where he's going. I mean, he almost went there from the start. It was a it was a big pull for Alabama to get him from Iowa, and I think you know part of that was playing under Nick Saban. And so now that that's off the table, and you know he he had some struggles in his you know first year's debut season with Alabama. I think it's, it makes sense for him to go back to Iowa if that's really where he wants to be, and um, he can kind of start anew there. And I think he's you know a really talented kid, and so I think that's going to be a huge get for. For Iowa, but I, I think that um, between getting a fresh start and, and coming back home, that's kind of a slam dunk for him. And obviously, Des Ricks has already gone to Texas A&M, so yeah, some of them are gone. Caleb Downs is obviously the one that there's going to be a really high-profile uh, public tug of war for for however long this lasts. Obviously, the speculation's been Georgia. I mean, Tony, is there any shot you think that Bama can somehow still come up with whatever it takes to keep him around? It doesn't sound like he's staying. Uh, it doesn't sound like Caleb Downs. I mean, I'm never going to say never, and you never, like, money, you know, crazy money changes everything. And, you know, uh, he would certainly be someone to throw crazy money at. But I, I think, uh, I, I don't I don't have a feeling that Caleb Downs is going to come back. Um, so, I, you know, that, that's things for Alabama. But, I, you know, from what I'm hearing, it's either going to be Georgia or Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, you never know. I mean, there's, uh, that's the thing about NIL is, you know, money talks and, you know, it can come in at the last second. So uh, I guess, it, you know, you can hold out your hope if you're Alabama. Maybe, maybe Santa Claus will come way early this year, but I, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. Tony Sukalis with us here on the Chuck Oliver Show from TideIllustrated.com, our truest reporter on the Crimson Tide here. And so, uh, Tony, how much bleeding do you think there is then? Those have been the most high-profile recent examples. Is there a feeling of when this stops? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to stop pretty I mean, look at how many players are, are left, right? Um, uh, I think you're starting to see some of the big ones. Uh, trickle out and that I mean there still probably be more departures uh, but as far as the the big heavy hitters I think we're kind of reaching that limit of like maybe we've seen the last there there could be a couple more that that I'm hearing that that, that could be guys but uh, I I think from the most part Alabama's kind of weathered the storm for for, you know a a little bit at least Um, but like I said you never know in, in the NIL 
space. But uh, it's, it's going to be rough sailing for Alabama until it's able to kind of open up its own portal and or when the when the everyone's portal opens up and they're able to kind of like make additions which will be more in the spring or you know perhaps we talked about you know if jim harbaugh was to leave then you know that opens up michigan's roster if another program fills a head coach from another program fills you know his spot at michigan and that opens up another portal so you know you can kind of pick apart rosters there too but i think Alabama is going to be busy um in the, in the spring when the, when the, uh, the portal opens up again. And, you know, I think they're going to have a talented roster next year. It's not going to be as talented as maybe they would have hoped, uh, you know, heading into this. And it's not going to be as gelled. I think that might be the biggest thing is that, you know, some of these new additions are not really going to be able to go through spring camp because they won't be able to join until the window opens. So uh, that that's going to be something Alabama's going to deal with. But I, I don't expect Alabama to just run out with like a UAB roster uh, you know, come in the fall, it'll, it'll still be an Alabama roster, and it'll still be one that, you know, unless things really go off the rails, could contend for an SEC title. With regards to Washington, obviously there's been a ton of kids in the wake of DeBoer leaving who have jumped into the portal out there. That's still going across the country for a lot of them, a lot of West Coast kids on that roster, not everybody. Uh, how much is there a thought that some of that roster may wind up following DeBoer? Is it just too soon to tell? Uh, I, th- I do think certain key pieces will. I, you know, I don't think you can just, you know, take Washington's roster and just put it all at Alabama. But you know, Jabbar Muhammad is a is a cornerback that's going to be visiting this weekend. He's a starting cornerback with uh, Washington's best cornerback, uh, and yeah, it'd be a big get for Alabama right now because they don't have uh, really. They have basically two openings. I know Damani Jackson might take one of those, but. Uh, you know, they definitely need an experienced guy there. So, you know, a guy like Muhammad, who had 16 pass deflections last year, uh, that'd be a big add. Um, the, the starting center for Washington, uh, he's in the portal as well. I think I don't have to tell anyone about Alabama's uh, struggles at the center position this past year. So, yeah, that'd be another big addition. And um, they need more depth on the offensive line regardless, but they definitely need to fill that starting spot at center. So, uh, you know, uh, th- those are two spots. You know, I don't. Th- I don't think it's necessarily just Washington starters. I mean, some of the recruits that Kalen DeBoer was, you know, recruiting at Washington, he's obviously high on. So you wouldn't be surprised for him to re-offer them at Alabama. Um, so keep an eye on that. And I-, I know there's been a lot of concern about you know going out west for all these kids, but I think you know things are moving so fast. You, you kind of got to go with what you know and then get the players from the South. So I, I don't expect Kalen DeBoer to just start only recruiting from the West Coast, but you wouldn't blame him for reaching out to the people that he knows that he likes uh, and getting that handled first before talking to unknowns and, and kind of building new relationships. So it's just, you know, it's only been a week. That's the crazy thing. And for DeBoer, it's been, you know, less than a week. So um, it's just really, things are moving really, really fast. Um, and patience is not something that's easy to do in, in the NIL era, but it's probably what Alabama needs right now from its fans. The other thing that happened yesterday that was interesting, there's obviously been a lot of focus on the staff he's bringing in, but yesterday was also about the staff he's pushing out. And it seems like the Nick Saban coach rehab program is being dis, at least disassembled as it currently was structured. You got guys, uh, John McNulty, Zach Mettenberger, and other other guys that were familiar names from other parts that uh, apparently got told, yeah, you're not going to be needed with this new group. 
I assume they're still going to have a group of analysts. Is it just he wants to put together his own team of analysts and it might not choose to uh, be as big as the group that Saban had? Or what do we think of the, the news yesterday that at least a lot of those guys are being shaken loose? Yeah, I'm not really sure the situation there. I mean, you know, for all I know, maybe that could have to do with their relationship with Saban. And do they really want, you know, is, is it as appealing for them to be an analyst at Alabama without Saban? I, I, I just don't know. Um, but, it, you know, you, on, on the same hand, I think it could be a case of uh, Kalen DeBoer has to build his staff. You know, he has to, he's been a successful coach for doing things his way. And you can't, you know, I, I don't, I think it'd be foolish for him to do things completely different than Nick Saban, but he can't just try to be Nick Saban because it's not what his career has been. So, um, you know, that it might be, it might be that it might just be, he wants to bring in his guys, his people that he's comfortable with um, and, and not just kind of coach in Nick Saban's shadow. So uh, it's, you know, I, I can't really tell you, the behind the scenes of that move because I don't I don't know it, but those are at least a couple of things that could consider um, when, when looking at that. The on-field staff at this point isn't completely assembled, right? There's still a couple of pieces they need, but the the core parts are in place. Yeah, they're missing two uh, position coaches. Uh, you need uh, I think inside linebackers. Or sorry, no, yeah, inside linebackers and outside linebackers. So um, yeah, I, I you know it, the core part is there i think you're you know getting people to recruit other people now i mean the part of not having a staff is not just the unknown of uh who's going to coach that position group it's you know not having extra bodies to recruit and you know if you're trying to get you know people like jabbar muhammad the cornerback you need to have a cornerback coach to tell him like hey this is who's going to coach you or our defensive corner so this is the defense you're going to run you know and so now that they have that in place it's going to be big just from recruiting and you know now they can start implementing more of a vision and a plan and they can they can show kids uh, okay this is what it's going to look like this is what this guy's done this is here's you know parents this is who's going to be teaching your son um so those are all big things and so it, it is coming together there's a little bit more work to be done but uh you know, I, things are, like I said, things are moving fast, and it, this could be a lot worse for Alabama if, if they weren't moving as fast as they are. No doubt things are moving in a hurry. They'll be covering it all at TideIllustrated.com. Tony Sukalis will be helping you do just that. Tony, I appreciate you making some time in a busy time like this, man. Thanks for being with us here on the Chuck Allen yeah, no Show. Problem. There you go. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, There's the latest from Tuscaloosa, man. It, it, is, um, it is just wild. And, again, we got to see what the final staff looks like. Uh, bringing a lot of guys with him from Washington and – that's one of the questions people had about this move is it's fine for X and O purposes. No one thinks that Kalen DeBoer is not a good X and O head coach. What will the staff look like to address the concerns about him not being a guy who's worked in the South? And it doesn't matter if the coach himself has worked in the South near as much as it does if he's got assistance. So like when Urban Meyer came in, when I was covering him at Florida, he brought in some guys with him. But he didn't just bring his Utah staff intact. He knew, hey, I've got to have key figures that have the connections in the places that I need. And so he brought in some guys that had no connection with him at all in the past, but who were known for South Florida recruiting, things like that. Uh, DeBoer's staff, he's obviously made one particularly high-profile move there by, by hiring South Alabama's coach to address the state might need another guy or two who really has connections into Florida, into a place like Atlanta, into Texas. There's there's some there's some spots that it doesn't look like on this staff right now he's addressed. But again, there's still open spots, so we'll see what he does with that. Here's a Chuck Oliver show coming up. A story that I think is cool. Uh, just I, I just enjoy the fact that there are people out there 
who love football. And there's somebody who loves football, maybe more than any of us appreciated at the time, given how much of a showman he was. We'll explain straight ahead here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. That's what I was angry about, and I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our hat to you, but we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. That is a basketball coach, Rodney Terry. We don't talk about basketball typically on this program. But that was last night. Ethan for Chuck today here on the Chuck Oliver Show. That was last night. UCF goes in and gets the win in Austin. And they, as part of the celebration of the fact that they had gone into the Moody Center, gotten a victory, uh, some of the kids did the horns down gesture. And Rodney Terry in the uh, shake line later got upset about it and then talked about it after the game. This is going to be one of the stories. I promise you it's going to happen. It won't be Chuck's fault. It won't be my fault. But it's going to happen. One of the stories of SEC Media Days is going to be about the horns and horns down and how they're offended by people who do the gesture. If you're saying, I have no idea what horns down is, what are you talking about? You've seen the hook'em horn sign that Texas likes to do. I would assume, if you listen to this program, some people to basically say, hey, Texas, put it where the sun don't shine, basically. We'll do the gesture upside down. If you've spent even five seconds in your life on a playground or anywhere else, you know if you let people know something bothers you, they will do it more. It doesn't matter what it is. If you let it be known, hey, you can get under my skin, you can annoy me by doing this thing, whatever it is, whether they're just a coworker that wants to just grind your gears a little bit because that's just kind of how they are, whether it's somebody who's a bitter rival who wants to rub your nose in it, whatever it is, if you give somebody that knowledge, hey, press this button and you'll make me mad, they're going to press it. You're stupid if you don't grasp that. Willfully stupid. And yet Texas, for years, has complained about this in the Big 12. Well, what do we know about how the SEC handles situations like this? We do know this much. How many times through the years have we seen the Gator Chomp done? Florida kids do the chomp after something good happens. The crowd does the chomp as part of their game. So when somebody hits a big shot against their basketball team or uh, makes a big tackle against them in a game or something. How often do you see somebody jump up and do the gator chomp from the opposing team? You don't see flags thrown for it. You don't see Florida people freak out about it. Some Florida people used to talk about there being a curse that if you did that, it would probably cost you your game because there were examples you could point to of guys who did that and then everything fell apart. But it, it wasn't something where, Mike's live, help, help. They did the chop and I don't like it. Nobody did that because that's pathetic. That's what Texas does. And for some reason, they keep doing it. When they come into this conference, they're going to get horns down every single week. It's a lock. So they better be ready for it. And 
I guarantee you it's going to be one of the stories where the SEC officiating coordinator is talking at SEC media. Is going to be, what happens if someone does horns down in a game? It's going to be, I guess he gets sad. Like, that, that's, that's the answer. You can't, you can't go nuts about this. This is ridiculous. You know, it's funny. Texas has already seen an SEC team do this to them on their home turf. You remember two years ago when Bama paid a visit to Texas and Bama won after Bryce Young pulled that Houdini act and got away from the tackler. They were doing horns down the whole time, like right as Saban and the rest of the team was coming onto the field. Saban quickly put an end to that saying, quote, don't you do that bleep. And yeah, so Texas has been seeing that from SEC teams already. So, I mean, you'll probably see a lot more of it coming up when you join the conference. Yeah, look, some coaches are going to say, I don't want you doing it. That's fine. I just, the fans are going to do it. Coaches aren't going to tell fans what to do. You just, you better get used to it because you're not going to get special treatment in the SEC. Hey, one quick note. Uh, I just thought this was cool. Uh, Jerry Glanville has been named the defensive coordinator at Division II Northwestern Oklahoma State. And if you're saying, wait, Jerry Glanville? I didn't know Jerry Glanville was even for sure still with us. Yes, he is. Jerry Glanville, with 57 years of coaching experience at the age of 82, becomes the defensive coordinator for the Northwestern Oklahoma State Division II program, the Rangers. They're 1-10 last year. 82 years old, and the man's going to coach a 1-10 program as an assistant coach. He's been at Portland State. He's been in the XFL. Jerry Glanville loves football. And at a time where NIL and everything else has people wondering, do these guys love football? I like the fact we've got a guy involved who loves football. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. 